Hi, I'm Rob. And he's Ed. Hi. And together we're The Thirst. Welcome to Pint Size Philosophy, the show that applies a philosophical eye to contemporary issues. Refreshingly wise. Ed, episode six. Yeah. Nice. That's mm. a milestone. Yeah, it certainly, um, certainly is. I've been reading in the paper recently about um, Anne the Elephant. I don't know if you've read this story. It's in the, it's in the UK. Assume I haven't. And she was um, the last working circus elephant. And it's been found that there's her, her owner was abusing her. And the circus owner has been found guilty of uh, on three accounts uh, of causing unnecessary suffering to Anne the performing elephant. And Mr. Bobby Roberts... So Robert Roberts. Very nice. Was given a three year conditional charge for mistreating the fifty eight year old elephant. So Dare I ask in what way? I don't know. It doesn't, my mind it doesn't go into specifics, go. but I think she was she was beaten. I think one account was he failed to stop one of the other handlers beating her oh, on okay. several occasions. Right. So it wasn't nice, whatever Not it pleasant. was. No. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So you you want to be talking about animals and Yeah. Uh, and animal rights and we so haven't on. really discussed them no that's that's that we so. haven't and we are always in the presence of an animal in producer james so it's, <laughs> it's probably worth just tackling tackling that yeah no i, th- I think um animal rights the, that that story is a good way to get it get into talking about animals um i guess the question is why shouldn't we be cruel to animals and the answer usually is because it's not very nice for them and mm. the main argument in favor of animal rights is, is based on the idea that animals are like humans at least in respect of the fact that they can feel pain and other sort of mental states we typically associate with human beings. And in a world ruled by the battery chicken, the claim that animals may be like humans in this manner raises all sorts of fascinating and troubling issues. So basically, Rob, today I'd like to discuss um, how similar humans are to other animals and and what differences there are, Mm. if any. Are they crucial? What sort of differences are they? Um, and, And I think that this will have all sorts of ramifications on the way we treat animals or the way we we should treat animals um and i think this question is very important to philosophers because in philosophy we often try and place humans in nature and one way of doing this is by comparison with other animals because out of all of the things in nature they are the things that are most similar to ourselves i guess the point is we can learn a lot about ourselves through studying animals and i guess uh, the difference between humans and animals is immediately shown by the fact that we're sitting around here discussing whether or not we're different to animals and the idea of a few cats (laughs) sitting around you know debating whether or not they're different to a mouse is is ludicrous so i guess we are definitely different in some regards the question is in what ways are we different and are they significant and i'd like to bring you in here rob the resident biologist I'd like to bring you, bring bring you in for some scientific perspective. Okay, well, you can't talk about these type of differences without delving into the world of genetics, and that's what know, worried me. The nitty gritty. I mean, essentially, uh, genetics is all about your genes and and DNA and how you're made up. And um, DNA, you know, it's this the code which accounts for how that animal is built. And interestingly, I mean, the Human Genome Project. I don't know how long it was, but they completed their uh, study of the human genome and uh, you know they've they've studied uh, humans chromosomes which is where genes are found coincidentally in the cells um, and it's it's come up to be three billion units long which uh, I've got a good fact here uh, it's enough to fill a phone directory if that phone directory were 200,000 pages long so <laughs> that that's how long and complicated uh, yes. the human genome is I mean yes you can look at the differences each human shares uh, more than 99% of their DNA with other humans 
Uh, 98% of it with chimpanzees and a staggering 50% with a banana. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, so perhaps we should be debating whether or not we should be eating the bananas. Yeah, so I mean, it's this 1% which is obviously causing the difference. I mean, we obviously think, well, a lot of people think we are superior to animals, animals and it is this, what is this 1%? You mean the 1% between us and chimps? Yeah, or chimps, the or the, you know, the 49% between us and bananas. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, so what is in that 1% that makes us so different from animals? That that is the question, and I think if we, I mean, if we're you know physiologically so similar, excellent. Well, I think that, that that's that's great, and I think what you've done there, Rob, is demonstrate the weaknesses of your craft. And I mean, bi- <laughs> biology has failed us. It always does. It's all right, Rob. It's not your fault. Um, we must move on to philosophy at, the, at, at this juncture to to get a firmer grasp of the okay. of the differences. Um, and I think the main difference is is intelligence. That's that's what everybody gets a little bit excited about mm. human beings the, the celebrated rational animal the bigger brain the bigger head exactly well, humans differ from chimps in the fact that uh when chimps are born soon after their brain stops developing where obviously the human brain continues to develop you know long until in... yeah forever well yeah you could argue that um yeah exactly i mean the sort of the crass way of looking at it is is that animals are sort of mechanical basically they they have perceptions mm. that lead directly to action so they you know they see a ball and they go and chase it and mm. and the difference is that human beings possess concepts so we we sort of think about things the the idea being that there's a mind that receives all this sort of information and processes a the best possible course of action and then acts upon it mm. um and yeah i think intelligence is what underpins all the assumptions of human supremacy over other animals and the idea that human beings are rational animals sort of manifests itself in several ways. There are several things that our intelligence has given us, several things that are unique to humans. Um, I'm talking about things like science and other survival techniques. I used, I used, you put it well earlier when you said that most animals adapt to their surroundings, but man adapts his surroundings to suit himself. Mm. And there's, you know, the sort of idea that snakes would if they were cold, would find a nice warm rock and, and snuggle down there, whereas human beings would just bash two rocks together and then light a fire. Exactly. Um, so at the f- fundamental sort of survival level, human beings are clearly very different in the way they go about their business. Um, and the other biggie, I think, is morality. I think that that's a massive factor. Animals do what they do in order to survive. Um, man is capable of doing good or evil or at least it's, it's often contended that man is. Um, and I think that's a really interesting point. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to have a go at one lion for slaying another lion. It just doesn't make... You know, you can't be a murderer if you're a lion. Yeah, or well, humans are the only species that kill each other for reasons other than food or mating. Yeah, oh, that's, so, a, I mean, yeah that's, good. that's a good point. You don't see a lion constructing a weapon of mass destruction to get rid of a pride of another lion. Well, that, that would technically be true if they're going for the... For the females of the group, but not for religious reasons or yes, cultural. Yes, no, very, very good point. Um, I think morality is very, very interesting because I don't think it's a coincidence that man is the most sophisticated animal on the planet and it's the only animal that has a sense of morality. I mean, some people have this image that morality is out there for everyone and human beings are the only ones clever enough to realise it, the sort mm. of sense that there is a right and wrong, which animals can't comprehend, but human beings sort of using their 
a rational capacity can hook on to these concepts that are out there somehow and, and rationalize them to themselves, which I think is very strange. I My particular uh, thought, for what it's worth, anyone listening, is that morality is a man-made construct. Basically, morality is a luxury afforded only to those animals that don't have to worry about surviving. I mean, human beings basically have the benefit of being outside the sort of Darwinian struggle. And when I say human beings, I'm not talking about people in the third world that really are struggling to survive. I mean, you and I don't often have to worry about where our food's coming from, where no. our water's coming from, which leaves plenty and plenty of time to worry about how we should be behaving. Once the question, how, how can I survive, goes out the window, we're faced with questions, how should we survive? What's the best way to live? Um, and I think that's where morality comes from. I think it's, it's this sort of luxury um, of time. Um, Another thing I think is interesting about human beings with regards to survival is that human beings are the only animals that consciously and deliberately impair the, the faculties they need to survive. So if you go anywhere on a Friday night, you'll see human beings drinking so much that they literally can't <laughs> see. And then they, they know they're going to stumble out and walk in front of a car. Mm, yeah. The, the idea of a lion sort of closing his eyes and wandering about is just ridiculous. It, it would never happen. I think that's quite interesting we've literally become so sophisticated that we can completely no, we can to destroy ourselves exactly completely yeah. undermine what we need to survive everything yeah. in our body Every should be instinct, screaming yeah. no don't get that so drunk that you can't see the car in front of you but we do it mm. and i think that, that that ties neatly into what i was saying about morality i really think that human beings are have got to such a stage now where we in our evolution where we don't need to worry about the same things other animals do which leaves plenty of time for issues of, of morality. Um, and also, I suppose, culture, uh, history. That's another biggie. That's another massive difference. Yeah, obviously, people in general think that culture is a human construct. We can we construct our own culture. And yeah. I, there's a lot of arguments about... Um, so take a feral child, for example. If it's been born and then cast away to be raised by wolves, yes. it's not going to have the skills to survive in, in the human world. So Yeah. Um, I think that that's really interesting. The sort of um, we tend to focus on individuals, where really mammals, especially, live in groups. And I mm. think th it would be really interesting um, if we had the time to sort of look into the evolution of, of human beings, because I'm sure that a massive reason why we grew so fast compared to other animals is this sense of being surrounded by other people who have language. That's yeah, got to be a I'd massive argue sort that of language. Is probably one of the biggest developments yeah. that has definitely catapulted humans to the top of the food chain definitely well i think language and culture are very very interrelated there's a lot of mm. really interesting um research went on about 10 years ago um about nationalism with deaf people and it basically showed that people who are deaf because the uh, sign language is international mm. don't have anywhere near as strong sort of nationalistic urges as yeah, people who can hear because we use the, the very fact that we use our own languages so I think that, yeah, language and, and culture are very, very uniquely human. Um, and obviously the, the third biggie is religion. Animals do not mm. have religion. As you said, they don't go on religious crusades. One pride doesn't attack another pride uh, for religious reasons. For the sake of pride. Yeah, exactly, for the sake of pride. So I think that, you know, just that brief sort of summary shows that it's clear that animals are different to humans in several crucial aspects uh, but i i think they're the same in others i mean you can argue that socially and culturally they're very different but obviously like i've said before physiologically they're very similar i mean 
if animals are so vastly distant, uh, different, why do we still test medicines on mice and chimps? Yes. Etc. Yes. Use, I mean, what's especially frightening in my my respect is they do psychological experiments on chimps, and then apply. Yeah. Apply the findings to humans. Is is that? It's like what do you, what do you make of that? It's like they haven't even watched Planet of the Apes. <laughs> I mean, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that, there's a there's a lot of questions in there. I mean, <laughs> just briefly, my my thought on animal testing is that mm. people campaigning against it must surely have never benefited from it because I mean, if you had a relative who had been given a drug that saved their life and that drug had been tested on animals, you may not have. It has to be tested on animals. Exactly. You can't test it on humans. So that if, no. if the two choices are we don't test this drug at all and it's therefore not available or we test it on animals, it's got to be the latter. Having said that, you know, people going around putting lipsticks on chimps and seeing whether it dissolves their face, I'm not, I've got no time for that <laughs> at all. I mean, that is an absolute joke. And in fact, that leads me rather nicely onto you were saying about how animals and humans uh, may be different in some respects, but they're similar mm. in others. I really do think we're not so different. I I think this is demonstrated by the fact that how much attention and how much store human beings set by how good they look. I mean, it seems absolutely ridiculous that species that's mastered space travel should still care about something as superficial as who's good looking and who's not. And let's face it, I mean, that if you're hot, you're made for life. There, there's no way of arguing against that. Experiments are taking place every Friday and Saturday night. Yeah, you're not wrong there. In, in, in the city. I mean, you only need to... I, in fact, took part in one just last week. Really? Yeah, apologies to my girlfriend, Rachel, who I love very much. But <laughs> I did go out on the town um, where I saw, you know, you see it all over the place, a good-looking girl surrounded by a gaggle of chimp-like men. <laughs> you know, scratching their biceps and <laughs> curling their lats or whatever, whatever, whatever they flexing, do. Flexing, I think, is yeah. the technical term. Flexing, carrying yeah. a bag. You know, there's a great episode of South Park where I think what's it called? Baby's boobs. Yeah, baby's where boobs destroy society. Yeah, one one of the characters, one of the young girls in the in the in the show gets gets boobs, and all the boys suddenly become interested in her, and it, it is hilarious. Yeah, and they're basically like chimps. And <laughs> they they sit outside her house. <laughs> And they have a proper chimp hierarchy going. Um, well, what's, for, what's interesting, though, is that people are still drawn towards looks and things. When you think, well, humans would like to look at themselves the way they'd pride knowledge yeah. or wisdom or, you know, how clever they are well, this, over these base, this is, um, base attributes. This is actually a reason I wanted to talk about this subject, to acknowledge one of my own philosophical assumptions, which is that for centuries, human beings have been... I mean, philosophers have been obsessed with the idea that human beings are rational animals, with the emphasis very much being on the rational part. Whereas, to my mind, human beings are animals, first and foremost. Mm. And I think our animal instincts influence us in many, many, many ways. And yes, we have got science, and we have got culture, we have got language, and there are crucial differences. But for me, they're differences in degrees rather than differences in kinds. So return to return to intelligence, which, as I said at the beginning, is... Uh, what makes the difference mm. between animals and humans. It's clear that it's not the case that we're intelligent and animals aren't. Uh, you know, studies of animals have shown that they, they do have internal psychological states that influence their behavior, uh, much like we do, and they, they conceptualize their world. It's just to a limited extent. So the idea is that animals have the same kinds of mental capacities we do, but in a limited form. So it's an issue of degrees. And once you say that, 
intelligence admits to degrees, i.e. it's not definitive. It can't really be argued that it makes sense to draw a line on one side of the scale and assert that being on one side is something intrinsically special. And my point is that, as far as intelligence goes, it's not something unique to human beings. It's not a unique characteristic that we have that the rest of the animal kingdom don't. It's simply that we have more of it than the rest of them. So I think my argument would probably be, or my conclusion would probably be, that we, we may be different to animals in some respects, but we're not so special as we might have thought. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. Well, when you know a frog invents space travel, then I'll... <laughs> Then you'll be I'll, put it, I'll put it on the same pedestal as us. Okay, I see what you're saying. So you still you still hold us hold us in high yeah, regard. Yeah, definitely, definitely. In spite of everything I've said. In spite of everything you said. Okay, but I mean, do you? Oh, well, I think that's my instincts coming through. Oh, here we go. Top of the food chain. Here we go. Um, but do you agree with me that the difference between animals and and humans is not an essential difference? It, it's yeah, I agree. I think you know there is that. Or I'd like to say a core. Yeah, and then if if you will, and then humans and chimps are just built above it, or chimps have got that next level, and then we've got the level up. Yeah, to that. Um, in other words, humans and animals aren't fundamentally different kinds. Yeah, of, of I'd beings, agree with that. I'd agree. Um, with that. Which obviously goes against a lot of sort of re- religions would say what, what makes human beings yeah, different course. is having a soul, for example. But I think in biological terms, I mean, it would be really interesting if we had the time and and the brain power to just chart the, the, the course of, of human evolution from, <laughs> from the beginning to end, because it would be quite incredible to see how we got there. Cause we, well, you single, know, single celled amoeba yes. to Edward Fraser today. Exactly. Because, you know, we, we say chimps are on one level, we're on a, a level above, but how on earth do you get there? That's my question. Well, there's a couple of missing links still roaming the earth today. Uh, Producer James is a prime example. <laughs> I saw him, saw him dragging his knuckles up the stairs towards <laughs> the, the Thirst Podcast studio. So, <laughs> look at him beating his chest. <laughs> Instinctual response to the threat. Um, Bearing no. his teeth. Yes, <laughs> seriously. Um, seriously, now I guess we should be asking if we're similar to animals in, mm. in some key regards. Should we be eating missing links like Producer James? Should we be farming hens? In, in batteries should we be you know, yeah what, what are feelings it, on that it's happen? interesting isn't it i think if you choose to eat meat I, there's no reason to be fussy i mean what if you consider animals different to humans distinct there shouldn't be an issue with eating a dog or yeah. a cat it's yeah. because we've uh, made them into pets that we hold them in high regard to something like an octopus which i'd argue is more intelligent than, yeah than lots of the things we eat but because it's squirmy and ugly. Yeah. We've got no problem with throwing it on the barbecue. No, a little, I, bit, a little bit of lime and chili. I think that's a very, very good point. Um, there's only one step, isn't there, from, from animal to pet, and then from pet to sort of part of the family. <laughs> and we were discussing it with regards to your, your dog, Henry, weren't we? we shout out to Henry. Yeah, shout he'll out lo- to Henry. He'll love it. Um, you know, we were saying that Rob's dog's a cheeky little chappy. So <laughs> it's easy to, to place human emotions, human thoughts and, yeah, and characteristics. Yeah, to give them a personality. Exactly. And the question is, do, do they have one or do they not? Um, and that, that's not one, one for us to answer in the remaining one and a half minutes of this show. <laughs> but I hope that by um, showing our listeners that animals and humans may be different, but it, it's only a sort of... It's not a fundamental difference. It's a difference of degrees. I hope that by raising that issue, we may also raise some questions about whether or not we should eat meat, whether or not we should Mm. test things on animals. I'm hoping that I've rocked someone to the core and they're going to fundamentally change their beliefs. Well, it's interesting because I am a massive meat eater and I often have arguments with my vegetarian friends and yet 
somehow during the course of this episode, I think we've uh, we may have raised some issues. But anyway, that choice is up to the individual, and I think we'd like to. Le- I'd like to leave it there. That's Excellent. what I'm up. Another good episode, Ed. Well, good's an understatement. Great episode. <laughs> I was going to say, I was about to cry there. And if you've got any questions, further questions, or you know, you want to say something about the episode or any of the episodes that we've done in the past, then you can get in touch with us via the normal means, www.thethirstpodcast.com or email thethirstpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I think on Facebook, you just type in the Thirst Podcast and yeah. we pop up. And on Twitter, we're at Thirst Podcast and we've got a hashtag, uh, hashtag Ed and Rob. And then last but not least, iTunes. Get on there. Bottled Wisdom and Pint Size Philosophy. Five stars and comments. Smash it. Smash it, just go mental. Do all five or six if you want to. <laughs> I mean, you spend enough time on the computers anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, one thing we have to say before we go is um, in relation to the the competition we had last episode, which was... It wasn't so much a competition really, but... It was a competition. I, I like to pick a oh, winner. okay. I like to pick a winner. Is that how you pick the winners? I just left this one up to you. you, you, you <laughs> what pick what the was the you, question again, Ed? The, well, basically, in, in our last episode, um, episode five, if you haven't listened to it, give it a listen, we were discussing nanny states, uh, which is a state where the government gets involved in individuals' lives to sort of make them do things moral things and and we were discussing wouldn't it be interesting if the first podcast ran a nanny state and we submitted a question to our listeners what policies would you like to see uh put in place in the first podcast nanny state and and rob sifted through the thousands of returns and i think he's come up with with a winner as always there's there's one gentleman which comes to the, which rises to the top cream always rises to the top ed and that's mr yoshimitsu and he, he had a cracker, basically. He said that in, in the Thirst Podcast Nanny State, it would be mandatory for our episodes to be played 24-7, 365 days a year. And we appreciate that. <laughs> so, I appreciate but, the sentiment. I yeah. like that. I'm not sure how well that would go down. Wisdom with and knowledge 24-7 on exactly. the airwaves. How much knowledge can a man take? It's a question for another day. And on that note, stay thirsty, everyone. I always do. <laughs> <laughs>